3: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Fargo, Season 5, Episode 9, The Useless Hand, is over. But we are just getting started here on Post Show recap. Hello everybody, Mike Bloom here, and can you believe it? We're already at the second-to-last episode of Fargo Season 5, as we get, tough to say, the calm before the storm, uh, because certainly there has been a storm brewing for quite some time, but definitely the lead-up to a true firefight, not only between the men on the Tillman Ranch and the United States government, but a lot of characters as well. We are not turning a blind eye to this episode, Whatsoever, even if Gator is uh, now. We are talking the useless hand, and this is a three-hander as we are already uncaged to talk about this episode proper. Of course, let me welcome in Latanya Starks. Latanya, how are you?
4: I'm doing great. Uh, I'm doing a lot better than Gator is right now.
1: You could really say that about any point in time, considering just like the number of rakes that man has walked into. Uh, though, Seriously. Grace Leader, it seems in this case, the rake was oriented the wrong way, and perhaps the mm-hmm. spiker part went into his eyes.
2: Yeah, brutal. Um, uh, the, Munch says the metaphor is uh, chopping off the man's hand, it being useless. Real slap in the face to Thing from
1: the Adams family
2: that once you're a severed hand, you're completely useless.
1: So. <laughs> Yeah. And which is weird because Munch has that lurch like look to him. So you would think he's very uh, Adam sympathizing.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Come on Munch. What are you doing? Yeah.
1: Well, listen, much like the Adams family theme, I have nothing but snaps for this episode personally. Look, it was tough to outdo the previous two episodes. And I think certainly in what those two episodes were striving for and were able to accomplish with aplomb from my perspective, It was a bit of a step down, but what I would surmise is that while maybe I'd like the previous two episodes better, I would actually wager to say that this episode had the best writing in the season to date. Uh, I think there was so much great stuff that we will parse out. The Roy Till monologues, the Munchalogues, like lots of great stuff to chew on over the course of this episode. And even though I think maybe the firefight we were expecting to happen in episode nine is apparently being pushed to episode 10. It did feel like that proper lead up where not really, but kind of we're getting all of our characters in one place. We have a lot of people surprisingly reporting remotely from, uh from Wisconsin, uh, from Minnesota, I should say, but at least at the moment, there's a lot at stake going on on the Tillman ranch proper. And I think from an atmospheric perspective, there was a lot of great setup, as well as some great material proper to get into what happens next week. Grace, what did you think about The Useless Hand?
2: So I, I don't think I'm quite on the same page with you. I think this is certainly a bit weak. But I think this is, you know, it's funny that the episode is The Useless Hand because I do think this episode is is actually quite necessary. So it's not useless. It is, and, and I think the one of the issues is that, the, for me, for this season, and it's not actually a problem, it's just... You know, I was talking about a movie I saw uh, earlier this year where I was watching it the whole time being like, I don't think I like this. And then there's a moment where I was like, oh, I think I see what the director is trying to do. And now maybe I do like it, but I've sat through like an hour of the movie being like, I don't like this. And Mm. so I almost needed to go watch it again to be like, oh yeah, it's pretty good. It showed up on a lot of people's top 10. The movie being showing up uh, from, from this past year. That being said, I've really enjoyed this whole season. But one of the things I think I've been the most off kilter with my expectations of the show is a lot of the ways in which like what I think we're about to get next episode. So there's the episode where Dot drives off and you're like, we're going to the ranch. And it's like, she's not even in the next episode, you know? <laughs> and and I feel like there was a lot of, like I kind of theorized last week about maybe there being a little bit of like Game of Thrones-ness of penultimate episode of this the season I was trying to theorize about is that what we've seen in the past with Fargo. And yeah, I, I think that this episode is is good but i i think ultimately i'm just now i'm just waiting for for next week's i, I won't do i will obviously talk about this episode with the two, the two of you i will not just be like so next week here's what we're getting but at the same time i think this episode yeah again is very good but i feel like it's a lot it's for me most of it felt very set for like what feels like an, a pretty explosive finale
1: uh, ideally in a perfect world should they have book ended the way they started the season where they dropped the first two episodes at the same time should they have dropped the last two episodes at the same time
2: no i think they have us like sufficiently hooked like i think part of where i'm like not frustrated but like oh come on i want to watch the next episode like right now that, and that's that's a that's good from their point of view that i'm just like give me more that's
1: totally fine so yeah, yeah. Latanya, what do you think about that and thoughts about the episode in general
4: Give me more is not the Britney Spears song from last week. It's mm-hmm. it was, uh, oh, it toxic. It's, it's toxic. Right. Uh, I agree with Grace. I uh, I feel like there are a lot of things about this episode that I really do like. Um, I love kind of the um, the cuts back and forth between the ranch and like uh, like Lorraine's uh, palace uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's just kind of like a a real like frenetic energy in those like phone calls. Um that uh, any anytime dot is on the phone in this episode, I'm like, yes, this is some good TV. Um it's it is a little bit difficult that she's just running around the ranch mm-hmm. and then hiding in a grave for the entirety of the episode. In
1: Danish graves.
4: Yeah, in Danish Graves grave. Um and so for that I feel like maybe it you know it makes sense that this is the penultimate episode because it's clearly setting up what I hope is going to be a fantastic final episode but it it didn't reach the highs for me that the last two episodes did
1: yeah I completely agree about that I think I definitely am on the same page as the two of you of like I think there are specific moments we can pull out that I'm really excited about but it did especially as the episode went along feel like okay, this is the first part of a two-parter. And that became very clear. So we'll check in with all these characters, much like the episode did. We'll see if we say goodbye to old Munch because at least the episode, and I didn't watch the next time on, but like seemed to be a nice farewell to the character, though apparently you can never say farewell to this guy because he may or may not be immortal. But let's tuck further into this episode. Let's open up the, the secret crawl space inside the closet of the useless hand and climb on down with a quick plot recap. It's the penultimate episode of Fargo season five, and all is not so quiet on the Midwestern front. After noting Danish's disappearance, Lorraine calls in some favors, and the feds officially swoop in on the Tillman ranch. Though Indira is on, quote, another side, she puts in a call to Wit, telling him to join the cavalry to protect Dot. But if we know Roy Tillman, he's not going down without a fight. As he sends out a live stream message to his fellow Patriots, To arrive at the ranch for a full-out showdown, he finds that, once again, Dot is missing. Indeed, she has escaped for the umpteenth time and spends the episode in the shadows of the home she once occupied. Along the way, she puts in a call to Wayne and Scotty before being confronted with Karen, who she knocks out after a pitch to join together against their mutual husband falls on deaf ears. With a gun and a new outfit, Dot goes into hiding, supported by the encouragement of Indira and, surprisingly, Lorraine. But while a daughter is accepted, a son is spurned. We see what happened with Munch and Gator from last episode, where finally, in his grasp, Munch gets quite biblical in his punishment, taking Gator's eyes. He takes Gator back to the ranch, leading him by the rope back to his father. Munch compares Gator to the titular useless hand as he is no longer valuable to the man that he lived and served under all these years. And his words do not fall on deaf ears, perhaps blind eyes, as Roy disparagingly greets his son, leaving him whimpering in the wilderness. Wit is given permission to lead a rescue mission of Marines into the ranch to grab Dot, who has found a hiding spot in the mass grave of all of Roy's victims. Though, she is quickly discovered by Roy's main goon Bowman. Just when it seems like Dot is finally cornered, she is saved at the 11th hour by an unlikely source, Munch. He frees the tiger from her cage, gives her gun back, and the two go their separate ways into the ominous smoke uh, set by an absolutely incredible needle drop. Uh, For a season that's all about, like, fantastic use of soundtrack, this might have been my favorite between allman brothers whipping post and of course the use of ymca over the montage of roy's men charging in
2: yeah pretty good i I, I was a little surprised we didn't go with macho man from uh but but you know that's fine the village people get their due well
1: there also is like a little bit of real world circumstances as well uh trump did play ymca at his rallies in 2020 because every other musical artist basically refused to use it and so There also is something, though, to your point about like the He-Man Woman Haters Club that is Roy's Patriots being backed up by arguably the most queer-coded band to exist mm-hmm. in quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Where
2: do you want to Where do you want to start? I, I feel like um, for me, the I you know again we talk about like Dot runs around uh, <laughs> a lot. This episode, it's certainly. Uh is certainly the the case, but um there are some, you know, the yeah, the phone calls she gets. I the other thing, you know, you talked about the writing of this show, Mike, and I do think, you know, it is pretty impressive that I'm rooting for Lorraine who literally this episode asked Donald Trump for a favor. And I'm like, <laughs> That's my that's my girl. You get her, you go, girl boss. <sighs>
4: I know. I I She's, wrote down yeah. Trump supporter confirmed. She
2: says, why be a billionaire if you can't kill someone?
1: <laughs> I mean, listen, is Lorraine not the best example of gaslight, gatekeep girl yeah. boss that we've seen yeah. on the show? Yeah, yeah. 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 totally. Well, well, let's start with Dot, as we usually are to do. And I think, again, it makes sense, like, last week, we kind of go, like, character by character through a lot of this stuff. Because, again, a lot of it is kind of encroaching on the same location. I mean, as you mentioned, from, like, a plot and a character perspective, not a lot to do with Dot. It was more so her navigating this home that she has escaped from before, trying to do her best self-mission from a video game and, like, avoid the gaze of all of these guys as she is eventually then discovered at the end. I mean LT, give me your thoughts on this plot. You sort of expressed them before about how you felt like this wasn't exactly hitting the highs that it should.
4: Yeah. Um I don't know what it is. Like I I cheered, like audibly cheered when she finally got free. Uh but and I don't know exactly where I expected her to go. I guess the house makes the most sense, but When she was in there, I don't know. I I maybe expected that she would locate more weapons or maybe she had a stash of something hidden somewhere. Um, But the fact that she basically just kind of like, you know, runs away from people coming in in different places, looks for a phone and then runs into Karen, of all people, um, holding a shotgun because all Karens have shotguns now. Uh, I I I don't really like it. Didn't really give me what I wanted, and especially in the scene between her and Karen. Mm-hmm. Like I I feel like that could have been a way more impactful scene than it was.
2: Yeah, I I think that there has been this through line, and I and I definitely feel like the characters were so well established at the beginning that I I feel like to a degree they're a a smidge worried about. You know, not there's not that there's no character at all, but I think particularly with Dot and and Roy, their characters are so firmly them. Uh although I, you know, I'm saying that knowing that like the whole Dot Puppet episode is basically like her being like, Yeah, are you really you? And how do you know you're you you know you're you? But this this so I'm thinking about the the Dot and Karen scene and and, and again what the show is trying to to tell us. I think that um on one hand I, I sort of you know, Dot. Early on, I think it's Wit when he's talking with um the F- they're about to like go in, and he's like, "She's not just gonna like lay down, so just like don't don't shoot her." And he has this really great line, which is like, "Um, we will not be a, a you know a helping hand that crushes the victim or something something like that." I have it written down.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, uh, the, this story will not end with us crushing the victim with a helping hand. Yeah,
2: yeah, so good, so good. So this scene between Dot and Karen, what they have like supremely reinforced this season is that dot these people that dot tries to use the emotional sort of like the 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 call to like you won't be abused anymore one thing i was noticing about karen she did she did she has she did she have the black guy last episode from the time where like she's getting he's getting his haircut and he hits her oh. or is this a new black guy
4: i don't believe i saw it last week i didn't think See, so either are, well here's what i my thinking I thought it was from uh, the haircut and she covered it up for the debate.
1: Oh,
2: that, okay. that's,
4: that's smart. I would could, imagine that's the case.
2: Could be. Yeah, certainly. That's a really yeah good point. But, the, you know, the fact that she's, you know, she comes in, she has this black eye that's from Roy. um, he, and, and yet Dot pleads with her and it just shows like Roy's power. This is the same thing we saw last week where Dot tries to plead with Gator of like, you're, you know, you know, come on, like, I saw your, like, I, I'm sorry, I can take you back to your own. He's like, no. And then she tries this, like, the more harsh thing of, like, why aren't you a Roy? Why aren't you Roy Tillman? Yeah. And it doesn't work. Roy has so many people, like, in his grasp, and he's so scary. There's a whole f- militia outside. Like, why you know, why would you think that you can escape um, uh, this man? And so it doesn't work, and so she takes the gun. And she is able to, like, you know, head off. Although what I think is, there, and I can justify this, I actually think it is better that Dot is, like, not been able to escape and is not actually thinking she was hit by a car, you know. So we talked about this last week yeah. of like the abilities that she had at the at the beginning of the season to be this tiger that she's she's called throughout that episode of like swapping the names and the thing. This is a woman who has like been so physically and emotionally beat down that her, her not thinking of like she thinks like I'll go to the grave. And literally then like moments later we see Roy be like, so she's either in one of two places. She's either in like the mineshaft shaft or she's in the grave. You go check the grave. So I do think it's effective, even if it's hard to watch. Like, I'm like, want Dot to, like, escape. But what kind of story is that if she just leaves, right? So she needs to sort of be there. So, you know, on one hand, I I saw a lot of people on another uh, group of folks I was talking to Fargo about saying that they actually find that, like, there hasn't been enough time to flesh out a lot of these other characters that this is maybe Whit's best episode since episode one. I mean, by fault,
1: I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. it's will talk since episode one. Yeah, and it's funny
2: because while I think that there has been enough time to like flush out this. I do think that like, there is a little bit of like, the story is dragging a little bit at times. Um, But also I get that they're just trying to get to a moment in episode 10 where like Dot needs to still be on the ranch. And also I do think that they're like, this is a smartly written character in terms of like, she's not obviously going to be at the same capacity. As she was in episode one where like, there's a this brutal home invasion, but she is able to like, you know, fight her way out. This is a woman who is like, yeah, she's, probably concussed here
1: is that why but, she leaves the gun at the grave
2: that one is so interesting right that she leaves the gun there like yeah. i again i think that that's just like it wasn't like a trap it wasn't like i'll put my gun here but i have this other plan she's literally holding like seemingly you know danish graves, femur you know probably not. Although i but, know
1: i hope yeah. i hope the body didn't decompose that quickly <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but but my but,
4: yeah. question my question though is like why run to the house I guess, unless... The for the only phone. Thing... For the phone. No, I was literally just about yeah, yeah, to yeah. say, like, the yeah, only right. reason is yeah. for the phone. But, like, why not just try to escape the compound?
2: I think that they've established... I know, like, when they do these, wide, it's kind of tough because there's so many... Like, it does look like there's so much space. But I think there's also supposed to be implied that there are so many people around that, like, it's it would be impossible not to be seen and chased okay. down on, ho- and, on, on, on on a horse. Yeah. And
1: there's also the idea that, as you said, Grace, like, Roy has home field advantage with all this stuff that Dodd is doing. And I would imagine, even if you run like five miles out of the range, I mean, she doesn't know the humiliation that he experienced. So like, she probably figures that if she runs into anybody, they're just going to bring her right back to where she mm-hmm. came from. When it comes to the Karen scene, I think for me, that felt the most like checking a box, not even from a plot perspective, but more so from a character perspective, because Dodd is somebody that certainly can kill but will almost never do it. She will almost always try to pursue, like, the pacifist route to that point. She will try to get someone on her side, not by force, but more so trying to convince somebody that it's right for them until she has to, like, cleave their ear off with an ice skate. And so this felt to me like the show saying, okay, we know that Dot is a good person through and through. She would try to reach out some sort of olive branch to Karen. She would recognize the situation that she's in. So it made sense from both characters' perspectives, but it didn't really surprise me in any way. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, this is the last we see of Karen. And also, again, says a lot of unsurprising things about Roy that he begins to then skulk through the house, sees his unconscious wife on the floor, and is like, all right, moving on, let's see what happens.
2: Yeah, I think that there's... You you so desperately I think as a as a human being want Karen to be like you're right like let's let's turn him in let's make sure he never abuses me, but unfortunately this is the reality of a lot of women who are abused is that it is it feels impossible to 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 go against them that um, we know like the statistics of. Um, you know the people who actually come forward when things like this are happening and we also like she makes this point of like no my kids will be orphans like like i think that the the added nature fear of like her her having two daughters is like the thing that is makes you want to more like even more so be like get them out of like you know roy tillman's wrath but she's also worried that like because she has been complicit and she's been complicit because she's an abuse victim, but she also now is worried that she is now complicit and, like, she will go to jail because of the things that she's been involved with. The fact that she probably, she knows that, like, Danish is is dead, like, that they killed him, right? So that's her fear and that, like, she thinks that, like, this is the safest path forward. So, I, you know, it's, what's really hard is that it's, like, it's not the most exciting and, like, fun outcome on in the TV landscape, but I actually think there's, you know, this is potentially, like, the more true outcome and that at some point, hopefully when like this whole thing is over and said with like Karen potentially does have a way out of this awful situation. Most likely from the fact that Roy Tillman, I would presume will be dead by the end of next episode, but we shall see. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An
0: endless night, ember hot and icy cold, the rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga.
3: Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
0: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? <laughs> No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
4: I will say that I hope, if you know, yes for Roy, but also for Karen's dad. Because, you know, like, oh yeah, I
1: forgot that guy sucks. (laughs) Are you the good Hitler or the (laughs) loser Hitler? Yeah.
4: Karen was probably an abuse victim as a child, like before she even had anything to do with Roy. So, Uh you know, her, like, Neuroses go way back, and you can tell.
1: I I do want to obviously again, we'll we'll we're looking ahead to the finale, not too too much with one blind eye still to this episode. But I do want to as we go through each character, kind of like plan our own stakes as to what's going to happen next episode. I mean, we see her walk towards the house at the end of this episode in the smoke with the gun. Latanya, I gotta assume that Dot's main focus next episode is less about escape and more so now, like I'm specifically going after Roy to kill him.
4: Yes, for sure. Yeah. I mean, she stated it in the, in the last episode. She told him that she was going to kill him. And, you know, Dot's a woman of her word. So I think that she's going to make it happen.
2: Well, I th- I think, too, although, you know, again, I think that the writing here has been really, really well set up in terms of there are a ton of FBI agents like surrounding the house. And I guess we don't know, per se, that Dot knows that that's Tr- tr- true although she must have assume no. why has the militia been gathered if not to like man some sort of defense from what's happening but at the same so but we know like historically like she doesn't really trust or want protection from the police like there's something innate in her belief system that like they are not going to help her and in fact and I think part of it is very cleverly that Roy is in fact law enforcement that like yeah. she's almost like lumping them all together mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly and so Again, this idea that she could, although she is saying like, you know, to Linda, she's like in her, in her dream being like, let's go testify. And she's saying to Karen, like, let's go testify." Like she'll never hurt you again. But I do think, and I think the repeated nature of, of, of like everybody being like, uh, I hear you, but no, like I'm going to, I'm going to be on Roy's team sets us up really well in the finale of like, there is no choice in Dot's mind other than to go and kill Roy Tillman. Like there's no other way to remove you know this like this hold he has on everybody other than to eliminate him in particular
1: well let's stay on this train of lady power uh, and let's get into i think one of the best character scenes of the episode which is the call that dot places to indira and by proxy lorraine and you talk about these characters being established from episode one but i don't think any of us would have predicted that by episode nine lorraine would say to her in earnest no daughter of mine is going down on the one yard line. And LT, the performances from both Jennifer Jason Lee and especially Juno Tempo in that moment like felt so profoundly meaningful considering the journey that yes, Dot has been out of Minnesota for the past half of a season, but felt like such a great landmark for their relationship, no matter where it goes moving forward.
4: Lorraine. She sees Dot, you know? Like she Gator
1: doesn't, but Lorraine
2: does. <laughs> <laughs> oh
4: no marco (laughs) (laughs) but she she really does you know respect her now and understand the plight that she's you know had to go through and carry and this is jennifer jason lee is just so great in this moment this is the most motherly that we have ever seen her be in the show as well which is really interesting um considering we've seen several interactions with her and her son. Uh, and, you know, Juno Temple is fantastic as well in that she you can you can like see it register on her face and her body almost changes a little bit when she hears that line from Lorraine, and she really internalizes that. And I think that gives her the strength to keep going. I mean, Grace talked earlier about how tired dot must be. and, you know, having been hit by a car, like yeah, don't, a go, don't
1: go to sleep, Dot. You have a concussion. <laughs>
4: yeah, seriously. Um, and so sometimes you just need those words of encouragement from people that you know are on your side, and that's enough to push you forward. And I think that that really gave dot a boost in that moment. And for the as a member of the audience, I'll just speak for myself. I like audibly awed. I just I was just like, Yes, this is exactly what we need you know, I will support this particular Trump voter, I guess.
2: (laughs) Well, what I think is great, too, is that you talk about that she's established in episode one and that you would have never expected her to say this. But is she that much different? Like, it's still so Lorraine. This episode, we see her. Like, the two lines is like, yeah, I might as well, like, ask the orange man for something. And then also, like, billionaires should be able to kill people, basically, is what she says. (laughs) And also, the moment where she, like, Andira takes back the phone. Is like, okay, hold on. Actually, she I know that was like very endearing, but also like, don't fight. Yeah. Like also like, don't do that. That's stupid. So I kind of love that. For as much as Lorraine has grown fond of dot in in whatever you know and and wants her basically to be saved is also so is is still so Lorraine <laughs> she's still so Lorraine lion I mean uh um, a, a tiger can change its stripes yeah that's right so I, I I love it I think that was it's it's really effective in that way to make you yeah to to to, to basically like yeah her, she's still hurt but she also wants her daughter-in-law to come home Yeah. And
1: I think it's also just a great culmination of like the understanding that Lorraine has had of Dot. I think finding out all about Roy, because again, remember she knew nothing about this before the season started. All this came into her lap. And so I think the more she discovered about this, the more I think she saw her in a different light. And I think honestly admired her more, especially the fight that she put up. And so that almost like motivational speech to her. And again, especially that idea of calling her her daughter. And I talked about it in the recap, but like, I love contrasting that with Roy, basically spurning his son, a couple of scenes later, I think is such an interesting dichotomy. So let's put out a little bit of a prediction as to like, what happens with this Indira and Lorraine side of things? Because safe to say, they're not going to hoof it over to North Dakota. They're not going to get involved in everything happening. But Indira tells Whit that she has like, quote, changed sides and is now working with Lorraine, LT, do you expect that position of employment to last through the end of the season? Or is Indira going to back the blue by the end of it?
4: I think that Indira's done with the police force, and she's going to be working for Lorraine going forward. Um, I, I think that, like, when we got... I think this was in the last episode, maybe this one. But when she comes into Lorraine's manor and she... uh and Lorraine is like, oh, so you finally made up your your mind. You almost, you're almost out of time. I, I think when she's saying that she's playing for a different side, she means it. And part of her getting rid of her old identity in terms of getting like casting off her terrible husband and is getting rid of her job that she may not have felt fulfilled at, or at least felt that she could actually help people and make a difference. Um, and so I do think that. Her character development for this season is that she's moving away from the things that didn't serve her, and now she's gonna go make some more money and get rid of her debt.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I agree with that. I think that I I think that by next time, you know, I think you see Sim's version of like potentially Indira not fulfilling exactly what like Danish was able to provide. Like he's a lawyer and she's not, but like sort of being this person that she can trust and and go to. Like you can almost see like the end of the episode we're, we're we're still like we're just past Halloween so like you could see almost like a Thanksgiving you know moment at the at the Lion estate being sort of like the epilogue of the season and mm. Indira like bodyguarding the door but you know something like that where yeah and and you know as much as like Lorraine is maybe not someone we fully admire in terms of like her you know business practices or whatever but like what can Indira take from from working under lorraine um i think yeah i i think she's like there to work for lorraine for yeah
1: yeah i just the only thing that gave me pause was like the way indira vocalized it in the moment especially to wit was like she still didn't seem completely sure about the decision you know it seemed like she basically was trying to apologize preemptively like i know this seems bad you know hyper capitalist the one percent of the one percent but like listen, I I felt followed what I felt was right. And I I do agree that I think by the end of the season, especially, I would imagine if and when Dot is returned back safely, it'll imbue Indira with this like purpose of, okay, I was actually able to do good. I didn't need a police uniform to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about the Roy of it all because we talked about the freaking chicken coop of egg that was on that man's face by the end of the episode that was completely self-inflicted between the debate And between killing Danish, which, yes, did tip off Lorraine. Hey, Danish is dead. Okay, like, execute Order 66, essentially. Mm Let's send in the full cavalry to take him out. And I feel like, like, I don't know for me if it was the show purposely doing this or, like, my own psychology seeing him differently. But even him speaking to the live stream and then him going into this monologue, which I love to the feds. But it really felt to me this entire episode more and more like, okay, this isn't a man. This is a kid in a cowboy hat uh, pretending to be this big bad guy when this dude is getting increasingly outclassed by the fact that he is legitimately trying to pick a fight with the United States government.
4: Yeah, I said it last week, and I'll say it again. He's just throwing a tantrum. He's just a giant child. Lorraine was completely right. We wondered in the past what type of podcast Roy listened to and apparently his own (laughs) Mm because he's just out there broadcasting whatever it is that he wants to say and he just everything about him is despicable like one thing didn't go his way like this is what happens with entitled people when they're so used to getting everything that they want like he lives in, in his own little fiefdom So he is just used to getting everything he wants and having everything his way. And when one thing goes wrong in his life, he makes it his lifelong obsession to avenge.
1: Yeah. And it's it's so interesting as well, because we get this moment with, again, Bowman, his main goon. And he's like, listen, we're stretched pretty thin. You want us to keep going door to door? And Roy's like, yep, you got it. And that is the entire conundrum of this man in a nutshell. As we talked about last week, he could have left well enough alone but because he had this pursuit of as he mentions in the beginning of the episode like the one person that has made him feel the most that he has ever felt he is adamant grace about like stymieing any emotion because emotion is weakness
2: yeah i keep going back i think Maybe the line that will stick with me the most the whole season, I feel like every episode I'm bringing it up, which is when Indira and Dot are talking about and, and Dot saying, like, this is what, what why do men hit women? Which is like they only do it when they're weak. They only do it mm-hmm. to to try to, like, reclaim some strength. And it's I think that, uh, you know, in terms of a season where the main antagonist is this man who abused Dot for years and years and had some false sense of 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 love for her, right? When he's talking with um sort of like his main goon, who's going around, you know, who's eventually gonna get got by Munch, he's like, you know, she made me feel like nobody ever made me feel before. I never want to feel that way again. Like, go go kill her, basically. But you know, and I I think about the like the feminist uh, uh response to to these type of men, I absolutely love the response when he says yes it's a a witch hunt and you hear this in the media all the time right now it's such it's like it's a witch hunt it's a witch hunt they're coming after they're coming after me and she goes you know a witch hunt was like men just killing women to keep them in line and that is so friggin' you go mrs j queen oh what a good response (laughs) it's so good it's so good and yeah this is a man this the type of men who will abuse you know, women are also the type of men who like, just can't handle not being in control, not getting to do what they want. Yeah. Like, like Loren says, like being a baby, you want to do all of these things with no consequences. He's talking about this is, well, this is my land, get off my land. It's like, we mm-hmm. do have a warrant to like, actually like search your things. Like, well, I don't, I don't listen to you. <laughs> like, well, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of the law, you know? Um, so I just think like, it's such a, Um, yeah, the, the, even the, the rallying cry, he's basically telling like, come die, come die. Like, you know, uh, you will be a singing when they die. You know, it's, it's, he's, he's, you know, this awful, awful idea of like masculinity, um, that, you know, doesn't have a place anymore. And he's struggling with the idea that he's going to lose what he deserves and he deserves
4: to go to jail. So, yeah, it never had a place. It was just accepted. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I love the scene of when Roy rides up on his fricking steed to greet the feds, not only because you get that great line of, I'm going to give you a name, Danish Graves. And he just replies, is that a man or a serious breakfast? <laughs> Which sounds like <laughs> the name of a Coen Brothers film. Yeah,
2: true. A serious
1: breakfast. Yeah.
2: Well, I think the other thing, too, is when 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 they retort everything he says, he has nothing left. He then reverts to, you know, well. Who cares? It's God. God cuts our name into yeah. bone yes. and tells us yeah, who he says who we you,
1: you don't get it, do you? This is the path I'm on. It starts at birth and ends here. This isn't something you get at your Starbucks or office. This isn't an idea. God cuts our names into bone and that's who we become. And what's interesting is he finishes this entire threat with go and live or stay and die. It's up to you. And it's like yeah, I mean, that's literally what Dot did, right? She went right. and lived, or she was going to stay and die. You realize yeah. you're, you've are yeah. you been creating this choice the entirety of your life.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. So, I mean, let's look ahead to what's going to happen with Roy, and I guess by proxy, all of these higher goons, who I think, I would say, would get, like, Gunned down because I think unlike a January sixth situation, like the military is very much prepared for what's about to happen. But who knows? These are crafty guys. Apparently, they have a freaking tank. And even though Odin is not very happy with what his uh, cuck son-in-law is doing, like they still have the forces to deal with it. Latanya, how far do you think Roy is going to fall in next episode?
4: I mean, we heard Roy say that this was their Masada, right? Mm-hmm which um, is in reference to the palace that was violently destroyed during the last stand of Jewish patriots against the Roman army. So this is a holy ruler for Roy. He is completely prepared for martyrdom at this point. And I I think that he's going to fall that far. He's not going to be a martyr because no one cares. But You know, I I really do think that he is viewing this as like his, like, you know, Waco almost. And he's going to, he's prepared to go down with the ship. And I think that he will end up going down. It's just going to be at the hands of Dot and not the government.
2: My big question, Mike, I know we did a death draft early on. Mm-hmm. and I'm currently still the only one with points on the board. Uh, and I was going to say, James I'm, I,
1: I think I'm out, because I believe I had both Lorraine and Wayne, Wayne, both of whom are, unless Roy somehow escapes and makes his way to Minnesota and, like, slits Wayne's throat in his sleep, I think they're pretty good.
2: Yeah, uh, you had Lorraine and Wayne, and then I believe you have Gator and Lars uh, Latonya. <gasps> and my uh, my other thing is, my other person is Munch. So I- <laughs>
4: Imagine I, those people living on my list (laughs) it's wild so
2: the thing for me though is i do think it's you know i'm like 99 sure roy dies next episode who kills roy because i think the easy answer is it's it's dot like dot gets the revenge finally but i also think there's a world where like Roy has Dot hostage in some way. And that's like, the you know, there's all this chaos, and he this is his like last stand. And it's actually somebody else who potentially might be able to take out Roy. Like, wit feels a little like oh, kind of anticlimactic. But oh, go ahead. I help. have yeah. a good
4: idea. Gator.
2: Shooting <laughs> blind. Shooting blind. It's, Listen. Not, it's not bad. It's not bad.
4: Like, yeah. th- th- I know we're going to talk about this, uh, but this line came out of his father's mouth to him as he lay on the ground screaming daddy with no eyes if there ever was a point to you it's gone now like them's killing words you know i I, i agree
2: and i think that like the power in in someone like gator being the one to ultimately kill roy is that dot has tried repeatedly to like break through again i'm like i'm kind of stuck on this of like these are the mm-hmm. moments that keep showing us of like she tries to play with karen karen's like no thank you tries to play with gator he's like no way is there a moment where like it wasn't in that moment but it does finally break through and Dot's strength in being able to get rid of roy is the thing she's basically been trying to do this whole time of like please stop listening to this man please stop letting this man run wild and and it doesn't have to like it it very much will be satisfying next week if dot aims a gun at roy mm-hmm. and shoots him like hundred percent but i I also think there's like there is some power in somebody that has like been been you know so much of the story is actually the way that people are either drawn to dot or are trying to actively sort of refuse dots you know and and drawn in by roy right this is Dira says to wit like promise me you will save her Like, promise me this is lorraine a woman who she like is so mad that her son married being like like You're my daughter, you know. Um, I don't think anything was maybe sweeter this episode than like Scotty being like daddy's phone and then it being her mom and be like mom, (laughs) and it's so cute. And rain like dropping all the stuff. Like, these are the two, these are the two people. There's this, there's a story I think happening this season of you are pulled into Roy's atmosphere through like this is like the Michael Scott thing. Would you rather be loved or hated? Yeah, you know, um, where where people are pulled into Roy's orbit through like hate and fear or you're kind of pulled into dot's atmosphere by like with like love and compassion and empathy and like it does feel like at some point at the end of the like i i almost think you know again i'm not going to say it's bad writing if dot shoots roy because how cathartic but i also think there's a way in which like if you can end roy's sphere of influence by like it actually being because somebody was like drawn to dot i think Mm. that that's a very powerful story to tell Do you
1: think we got Chekhov's tunnels in this episode? We had Roy go to the dugout, which is apparently a lot deeper than the first time we saw it. I didn't realize that Roy was Jewish, but I guess uh, it turns out that he is, considering his good tunnel digging skills with recent news. Uh, But do we think, like, I would imagine if I was Roy and shit was turning south, Now, granted, to your point, LT, I think he would much rather die on his feet than live on his knees. But I would imagine if he was incredibly desperate, that could be like the stage of our climax for the finale.
4: Yeah, he could escape into the tunnels. Uh, And then we'd have to have a we got him announcement whenever (laughs) (laughs) they actually do get him. Um, Yeah, I guess that could happen. But it also seems like the type of place that like both Dot and Gator um i i am giving some credence to gator being able to navigate <laughs> <laughs> given everything that's happened to him but i feel like dot would know where these tunnels were well yeah. he
2: he opens the door and he's like just in case right isn't that what he says? like just in case and he he sort of leaves it open so yeah i definitely think we got Chekhov's tunnel i think it comes into play in some form or another next episode
4: Uh, check off tunnel
1: well before we move on to the gruesome twosome that is uh gator and Munch, i do want to stop in on also the opposing side of roy's forces which is sort of just like the general conglomerate of the u.s government and wit far i mean what are we predicting for this grace like do we think the operation's gonna go smoothly here do we think wit's pleas are gonna fall onto deaf ears for both his or dot's sake of like things will get a bit more aggressive and someone will die in the firefight.
2: Yeah. Again, I don't want to say like, it's bad writing if this happens, but boy, I'm going to be pretty sad. If like wits, you know, prophecy comes true of like, you know, she dies in some way. Like that's, that's pretty sad. And like, that's, that could be Fargo. So that's, I watch a lot of sad TV. So like could be what it is, but what, if there's one outcome I'm most not rooting for, (laughs) it's, it's for dots to die. Um, you know interestingly like wit has been such a nothing burger this whole season that it does feel like almost like i have to think his like even if it's not successful for every all the people going in with him like sorry you basically you might as well wear a red shirt you might as well you wore camo you might as well be wearing red because i feel like you might be dead next episode but it feels like wit um i don't know Wit either goes out in a blaze of glory and is, is dead and is like someone we take off the board next week or um is, is in some vein it's successful uh in terms of him personally going in to try and save Don.
1: Yeah, I was thinking, why is this man not wearing like some form of bulletproof vest or armor considering the Marines that he's coming in? But LT, maybe to Grace's point, he just doesn't want to be identified as an extra so he doesn't get killed in all the <laughs> ensuing action.
4: Yeah, I I question a lot of what's going on with that character. <laughs> the questions will never stop yeah uh,
1: so i think i i think he is obviously going to be the most vulnerable considering that like he is going behind enemy lines i think that uh jaqueen and his partner mile i Myre, i think they're going to be okay they sort of had their culminating moment where like they're able to be on Wit side and convince their higher up uh which i did love also that like sly line of him having banter back and forth with his like uh you know inferior officer then like they walk in they're like did anyone ever tell you aquatico not to interrupt your superior officer <laughs> while bantering Yeah, it's very good. All right. Well, well, let's get to the ice shack. Let's end with the twosome that started it all in Gator and Munch. So we knew, we listened to that 1099, and we saw him pop up in the back of the police car. We knew that he would exact some sort of revenge for everything that happened, either accidental or purposeful over this season. I did not expect that. And we'll talk about maybe my favorite scene of the episode, which is sort of like the quote unquote standoff, but it really served as like a finite punctuation mark on this sentence that at least I've come to a realization about LT, which is, I think Roy respects Munch. And I think if Roy hears Munch make the amount of biblical references that he does in his monologue to Gator at the beginning of the episode, I think he extends an offer to work alongside him. (laughs)
4: completely agree with you. You know, there's that scene where Roy is kind of like looking around the house and he finds the money, uh, like the, you know, sack of money that Roy had given to Munch. And he's just like, oh, you know, what did you do? And, uh, you know, he he kind of n- knows at that moment, like, what exactly has happened, because you, you don't take money from someone like that especially after he went through everything he did, he killed someone to get that money. So I I really think that the fact that Roy never tried to have Munch killed shows that he respects him. And the fact that he just gave him the money and had a conversation with him shows that he respects him. The, The biblical stuff is so interesting because another fantastic needle drop that happened early in the episode is a song called Jesus Paid the Debt. By mm. Sam Cooke and the Soul Stirrs, which I love. It took me straight to church. I was hosier for a second, um, <laughs> and um, and it it's really just the idea that we're dealing with the possibility of a five hundred year old sin eater, so someone who you know knows the Bible back and forth. I would venture, um, so much so that he exacts wrath in the, in a biblical way would get along with someone like Roy Tillman who considers himself close to God if not a God.
1: Yeah, they both feel sort of like extensions of God. They're the they're the hands at this. They're point. the hands. What
2: I think is so, so one thing I want to dive into is is the fact that Munch takes both of Gator's eyes. And yeah, basically this is punishment for mostly seemingly from, you know, my perspective killing you know, Munch's quote-unquote mother.
1: Yeah, that's what he monologues about, right? Like, the older woman who watches the young men fight, who has a son who no longer sucks at the nipple. Like, it seems, d- like we talked about when she first died, it really felt like Munch in the moment was like, okay, now it's personal.
2: And, and you know, there's some, you know, I think there's something here to a little bit like, why didn't he kill him? Like, why didn't he kill him? And he doesn't. Um, He drops him off, like, eyeless, and then he goes and helps save a dot from the from the cage but in terms of gator having lost both eyes like like the biblical reference is like an eye for an eye and so the reason why so first of all if you only lose one eye danish graves already had that look unlocked so we can't yeah. you know the eye patch you know the, whatever
1: but it could just be like the end of the wire where gator becomes the new danish graves <laughs> yeah that's
2: right because i i think part of my thinking here into like why do why does the show decide to have not only just that he now he's fully blind and blind men can't see and whatever but i also wonder if there's something to one of the eyes is punishment for what he did to munch basically and everything he's gone through the other eye is like basically if if he is he now sort of in some way not redeemed but like is this the punishment for everything he's done to Dot. And therefore, when he therefore saves Dot, it's like, you know, he's lost both of his eyes. You know, I just, the, the, the thing is like an eye for an eye. And really, if you murder, I don't think, I don't think in the, I think in the Bible, it's like, you don't, don't murder. So you're also, you will also be murdered. <laughs> I don't think it's like, ah, uh, you murdered that person. We better take one of your eyes out.
4: <laughs> right. No, that's like a yeah. life for a
2: life, you know? So I just, I think it's very interesting. Aesthetically, I think it looks, it's pretty good. And there's, you know, I feel like it's very like biblical on its own to have like, the, the blind man who can't see right he's got the bandages over his eyes but i'm I'm just trying to think of like why does he take both of his he he pulls up both of his eyes why does yeah.
1: he do that yeah. well i yeah uh maybe to feed the fish because they were in sort of like an ice fishing shack and i don't know True. maybe eyes are good bait and he was hungry a man mm-hmm. must eat uh i, I yeah. do think though the math situation is probably outweighed as well by like also the fun irony of gator being blind as well considering that this is a character who has seen so much, if the puppet show is to be believed, this is someone Uh who was like an eyewitness to everything that happened with Linda, everything that happened with Dot, obviously is witness to a lot of shady shit his father has done. And it's kind of, to use another biblical reference, turn the other cheek or has just been under this sort of guise that this is the way you do it. This is the way that you should live. And so maybe it's just this idea that someone who has arguably seen the most in this show can now no longer see. And maybe that indicates to what Latanya has predicted before that finally it's this moment of enlightenment. It's almost Medusa-esque of like, well now you can't look at Roy to have him turn you to stone. So you're able to finally cut the head off the Gorgon.
2: Mm
4: -hmm. That would be interesting. I'd like to see it.
1: Yeah. Uh, I also love the, uh, the metaphor of the rabbit as well. Obviously we have had, so much animal stuff going on this season between lions and tigers, uh, no bears. Oh my, but lizards.
2: He's a gator. He was, he is you know, a gator, but a also gator, the yeah. idea
1: of the rabbit, because like, I don't know a terrible amount about this, but I do know from unfortunate circumstances, like when rabbits are trapped and they scream out, it's not too dissimilar from like the scream of a child. Yeah. Uh, rabbits are not one of those animals that, you know, can make noise. Until they do. Uh, And so I think especially comparing that with honestly, the infantile state that we see Gator in throughout this episode that like the hyper aggressive machismo guy who's, you know, uh, pumping himself up to metal music in his room to go do his big awesome stuff is whimpering on the floor when Munch approaches him with a knife. And then to your point is like calling out for his dad uh, in pure darkness.
2: Can I say uh, you as a Lost fan? A notorious uh, line from from Lost is uh, on the computer. when he says, Dad? Dad. So we, do yeah. get, we do get we do <laughs> one of the beats before the before we go to commercial is is Gator. After his father says, "If there was a point to you, it's gone now." And then moments later, Gator says,
1: "Dad." Dad? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I haven't texted with Josh yet. Uh, I don't know if he's seen the episode, but I, I have a yeah. feeling that like, that was living in his head. I Dad? actually read that uh, I believe Joe Kerry was actually improvising that he was just like loosely oh, wow. referring to John Hamm when he's like, "Daddy." Daddy, is that you, Daddy? And he's like, okay. no, actually, sorry. John Ham is a daddy, but Roy Tillman is not. Nice.
2: <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, that's yeah.
1: interesting. Uh, no, he's not improvising. That was a joke. Uh, no, oh. uh, uh, <laughs> but Latanya, give me your thoughts about that scene, because again, like we talked about the animalistic qualities. Munch is leading Gator on a leash, essentially, yeah. and it's like, oh, here's your pet back, and Roy doesn't even treat him like an animal. He's basically like a plant to him at this point.
4: Yeah, I mean, I will say that I am very surprised that um, Gator wasn't able to win Munch over by giving him a flamethrower instead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the things he was offering to keep his life were hilarious. Uh, but yeah, the actual scene itself was really difficult to watch. Um, you know, you get the idea that someone who's been something through something that traumatic to the point where they're reduced to an infant state and they're just calling for their daddy. And then to have, you know, to be that father and like, just essentially step over your kid and go back to what you were doing because you have more important stuff. He basically just kind of like disowned him in a Mm -hmm. single sentence and left him to die for all he cared. Like that, that's how that is Roy Tillman in a nutshell. That's how much he cares about anything or anyone other than himself.
2: Can I tell you, I feel the most uncomfortable talking about Munch because I feel like um, I'm going to be like, here's my theory for why he said all the things he said and then Noah Holly's going to be like, oh no, that was gibberish. That was all just gibberish we wrote. <laughs> it was just made up. We basically put it in a random, uh, you know. Yeah, but let's live in this writer. like
1: blissful ignorance that okay. like, yes, yes, Munch is this like well of absolute knowledge and metaphor that we can pull from rather than just like, yeah, his brain's a little addled because he's over a thousand years old.
2: So this idea of like, it, you know, it's as if it's a man's, if it, as if to steal is a man's lineage. I thought was really mm-hmm. interesting of, of this idea that these things that, and he uses race basically as an example of the, like Jewish people. I couldn't quite catch the first one. I re it. I know he's talking about gypsies and, you know, uh, a lot of people, don't, you know, trying to, to remove the word, like being gypped is, is, uh, uh, you know, a slur against uh, mm-hmm. a gypsy people. People trying to remove that from their language, but he's talking, you know, these like these stereotypes that we put on a certain, you know, uh, groups, these, these, slurs against different groups um but then the other the other piece here that i think i just want to like think about and like you know say and i don't know that i have an answer sometimes i feel really obligated to be like and i know exactly why they said that which is he removes his eye but the speech is about the hand which is you know um he must be taught the hand he steals with must be cleaved for him and returned. still a hand but now without function and here's your hand he shoves gator into roy and it's just so it's like it's so interesting like what are they you know, you talked about like the you know it is perfect of like Gator being this person who saw so much and now he can't see. His eyes have been removed. And but but from Munch's perspective, he's just so prophetic to know that like. I, you know, he's, he's stealing from me and he's trying to like, right. But it's, it's actually his eyes. I need to remove from him. Um, That's, that's the just punishment that he gets not, but then I'm going to give this metaphor. That's all about like, yeah, you see, you see, heard it like, you know, in olden days of like your, your hand is removed. If you steal, that's the punishment for like, see, yeah. it's the thing you use, but yet Gators Munch chooses to remove Gators eyes. So I just think it's, you know, I but don't really I think, know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But. What I think is also interesting is what, when you know they're asked about what's going on with his eyes bunch replies forfeit and you know it's so interesting that again he sort of uses that word which i think in a more modern context is just like giving up but i think also has again that more biblical context as well of like to lose it by some error or offense or crime and that munch has essentially like taken the law into his own hands Again, not too dissimilar from Roy, the person he's talking to. He says uh, that a son is unable to comply. He has sold his right to be a man. And again, it's so interesting to see how him and Roy are kind of two sides of the same coin right now. And I would say that if we're talking like alignments, I would say Munch is more so like chaotic neutral and Roy is obviously more lawful evil. But at the same time, I think they both have honestly, some of the same aspects that they think about, uh, which are, of course, very much based in the olden days.
4: And also because they both consider themselves as like an arm of justice, you know? Mm. They think of themselves biblically as bringing down God's justice to this world. And it's it's really rare to find two people, especially in the same television show, Uh, that have that kind of feeling that it's almost like an ethereal challenge from above for them to enact the type of deeds that they do. And it's really weird. Were
2: you all nervous? Were you nervous that Munch was going to (laughs) fight... Dot? he's like it's unfair to fight a tiger in a cage and i'm like so it felt like he was like maybe waiting to bring and then he yeah like, and, the and now i'll fight. kill you <laughs> yeah i was like what the hell but obviously luckily he doesn't but it's what do you make of, this is the other thing i think of like yes he he but he doesn't have the money for doing the thing he was told to go do like he did try to do the thing and then he wants the money like he wasn't able to kill dot but he still wants to be paid. But then he is hired again to kill Dot and he isn't able to do it and and Gator steals the money back. And then he frees Dot. So the, from the idea of like this whole idea that he's a sin eater, that he will like eat this, but he's ultimately, because he he, doesn't, he hasn't really been paid. So he's almost like, well, I shall like, d- you know, do more than just like not fulfill my promise. I shall like make it harder for you to do the thing you hired me to do in the first place. i free Dot from the, from the grave and give her back well, her gun.
1: But I think let's go back to the ledgers and the running theme of this season, which is debt. I think from a certain perspective, Munch owed something to Dot. Because remember, Dot did not kill him in that gas station fight at the end of episode one. And his partner was not so lucky. And perhaps some of that is Munch having the wherewithal to be able to just like disappear into the wind as we see at the end of this episode. But I wonder if perhaps like Lorraine, A, there was this sort of like growing admiration for what she was able to do over the course of these episodes, even though he was kind of going his own path. But I also wonder from a bit of a perspective, was it Munch being like, you spared my life when I was cornered. I am going to spare yours as well.
4: Yeah,
2: certainly. Certainly could be that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It could also be that Munch has seen enough of these men like these are the you know i'm sure that there's some type of like moral calculus that enters into his line of work in his mind like there are some people that deserve his wrath and then other people that don't and i think that at this point it's like dot has kind of like shown herself worthy almost Um, more so than these other individuals that he was working for and he doesn't, they don't deserve like, you know, to get to take her life or to have him be the instrument that does it.
2: I figured it out. Oh, he, 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 uh, he was, he was offered some money and it was stolen from Gator and he's not, it doesn't have that money back. But you have to think, how much are a pair of eyeballs worth in the black market, I think? Mm-hmm. And I looked up, I'm looking, I had to Google how much are oh, eyeballs were. Grace, worth. I think you've ruined artic- your algorithm. This is an article from 2000 that says that a pair is worth about $4,000. So if you think about how much he must assume they are worth based on inflation rates from 500 years ago in Wales, he's raking it in in terms of eyeball money. So he's, his debt has been paid. He's, uh, he's yeah. fine. He has two perfectly good sets of no he has one set of eyeballs
1: i was gonna say if i were munch i would just hop back down into that grave and start like carving up body parts you know (laughs) yeah that's that's why he needs her out
2: he's like i need you out so i can get in there give me that limb that you have give me that femur
1: well i mean such an incredible ending though even though it was a bit of a mixed episode the tiger is free that this man who is arguably the biggest free agent of the entire season is the one to quite literally sever the chain that Dot has been experiencing for quite some time. And is like, great. I know your potential. You're a beast. Go at them. And the interesting thing is that again, they go their separate ways into the smoke. What do we think LT? Is this the finale for Munch? Are we going to see some sort of like post credit scene about him to set up the spinoff that's coming?
4: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if this was it for Munch. Um, I feel like, he has kind of served his purpose for the story. He has carried out the revenge that he wanted to carry out for um, the old woman who was murdered. And, you know, he doesn't, there's nothing else tying him to this place. He's not, he's not going to kill Dot, which is the only reason he was there in the first place. So I would be fine if he was just in this show to bring about a little chaos to confuse us all with his riddles to get dot out of a gray a mass grave and then just walk into the into the uh the fog what do you think grace
2: yeah i think that's probably it for munch i think that this is a show that has so many people we we, there's very little wayne this episode and very little Mm -hmm. scotty other than one conversation basically so you have to imagine we need some resolution on that i think this being munch's resolution for me is pretty incredibly satisfying letting him like it's so perfect for the character for him to like wash away in the wind and just be gone um i think it's it's really good so i i would be more than happy for that to be it considering how many people i don't think we've had we have a satisfying ending to that we we probably need to do next episode and the other thing that's you know for me is a little bit um you know going to watching a show that's so like on network tv every episode has been like it's like 42 minutes in length right we're like it's a basically like um, they put the show on for an hour, including commercials, and so I'm I'm so used to a show that can be like, well, it's a finale. This one runs 100. I look at the runtime; it's like 105 minutes. You know, yeah. not the case I presume for next next week, unless we surprisingly get like it's a 90 minute episode or whatever. But I don't think so. So um, they only have so much time, I guess, in that essence to wrap things up. So if this is the end of Munch, um, I'm I'm quite pleased with it from beginning to end.
1: Yeah, I think we're gonna get one more, and I I know I mm-hmm. joked post credit scene, but like. I do think we'll get something from him, whether it's like a hint to, okay, is he actually working for somebody? I mean, what's interesting is we don't know any news about a Fargo season six. Noah Hawley is kind of like always softly sunsetted. She's in a Fargo. And then eventually comes around every couple of years and is like, yeah, you know what? I have a story for another one. So nothing's been confirmed yet. But what I think is fun is that you could do basically any season now forevermore. And as long as Munch survives, whether it's in the past, the present, the future, you could have Munch there. Munch could just show up. You know, we had Mr. Wrench be the connector between seasons one and three. Munch could just show up anywhere at any time because he's seemingly ageless. And Maybe he has. Part.
2: Have we not gone back to rewatch Fargo to see if <laughs> Munch is around?
1: Yeah, well, that was also the the season two Hansi Den thing, right? It was like, um, oh, you're actually yeah. this character from season one, but you have a completely different phase on McLaren. Yeah. So for all yeah. we know, Munch has always been there. I do agree, Grace, that I think, you know, if we're prognosticating a bit for next episode, I would imagine that the first half is going to be the fallout at the ranch and then I wouldn't be surprised if we get at least like 15 maybe 10 minutes dedicated to all the falling action in Denuma happening in Minnesota as everyone kind of gets like settled into what happens once the dust ends up finally converging.
2: I just need the family to be sitting eating breakfast for dinner. That's all I need. Next yeah.
1: episode's called Bisquick it's so called Bisquick. Oh, is it? Yeah.
2: Amazing. Amazing.
1: Well, let's finish things off here. We like to be bold here on post-show recaps. Can we go around the horn? Can you provide a bold prediction outside of what we discussed as to something we're going to see in next week's finale, Latanya? <laughs> I
4: hate when I have to go first.
2: I can um, go first if you want. I can go first. You're great. You. Uh, I think that Roy. I think. I mean, you made it earlier. So that Ga- that Gator shoots Roy, and I actually think Wit saves Karen. I think is my bold, but that like Wit and Karen wind up being together, and Wit, while he like hasn't been able to save Dot, he's actually able to save Karen and
1: whatever that looks like, even just getting her. And then uh, they get together, and then they make out. No, I don't know. Yeah. All right, Elte. What about you?
4: Um, I think that um. Roy's twin daughters end up being from The Shining, and they <laughs> murder him violently so, so wow. that they can play with him forever. And in ever, in the mine tunnel, it could be like the
2: uh, the blood
4: the blood skin yes, out of the elevator. Exactly, mm-hmm. that's what I want to see.
1: Perfect. Uh yeah, I feel like. Hmm, I'm gonna say that I think wit will be hired on Indira's security team by the end of next episode uh i don't think he i don't think he's experienced nearly as much disillusionment as indira did but i feel like he has followed her through so much that i would imagine after all the roy stuff he's like get me the hell out of this area oh this seems more accustomed to it and i think that basically he has figured out that where indira goes i will follow over the badge and i would imagine that if she wants to bring in more people that he would be a good hire as well well all right all right so we planted many stakes on the ground like we're building our own dilapidated ranch much like the tillmans (laughs) and we shall see what livestock will fill it as we get into what will seemingly be the jam-packed conclusion of fargo season five next week I can't believe it. I mean, things felt a little jumbled with this season airing during the holidays. But I don't know, Latanya, has it felt quicker or slower than you thought initially experiencing this season?
4: Um, honestly, it's felt pretty quick. I I, I just feel like uh, because of the holidays, times of time, there was like one week where it seemed like things were going by relatively slowly. Mm. But overall, it seems like the season has kind of flown by. It seems like yesterday we started podcasting about this.
1: Yeah. And then Grace, as I mentioned before, we will put it in the mass grave of Fargo seasons. And then we won't know when that munch comes down and you know extends a hand to lift up season six if it happens.
2: It's really hard I've, I've been, what gone back and rewatched season 1 holds such a like it's it's probably my favorite just cuz like you fall in love with the thing for the first time like you know obviously the movie existed but the TV show I just sort of like fell in love with it this to me it's hard to to weigh because I get to talk about it each week and I talk about it for yeah. about an hour after I watch the episode. So some of this times, like it raises the esteem. like even an episode that I was like, it came in being like, this guy is fine. It's good. It's good. And then I'm like, yeah, but this thing means this thing. And that's fascinating, you know? So, um, uh, but this season has been so fun to get to, to chat with. And I, I hold it in high esteem and hope it can sort of land the plane next week. So. Yep.
1: Yeah, so it definitely is number two for me in terms of seasons. And I think it's going to be a good exercise next week to, I would assumingly, have us all feel like, okay, this or season one. I think that's been a lot of the the scuttlebutt has been, okay, this is the best season since the first. Uh, but I think the shots they have tried to take have been more audacious, symbols of like Noah Hawley's, I think, building confidence as a showrunner. And so to Grace's point, we'll see where things end up going. But I think that's going to be, Probably the main topic of conversation to take away next week. And I hope you all join us as well. Why wouldn't you? We've got one more week of Fargo left. You're in it to win it at this point. You're pot committed like basically everyone with Roy (laughs) Tillman at this point. So make sure you're subscribed to our post show recaps uh, from an audio perspective as well as from a video perspective here on YouTube. I know once again, the finale is airing on a Tuesday night. We'll try to get that out as soon as possible as well. In the meantime, there's also a bunch of other stuff that we are working on. Grace, is there anything in particular you want to plug going on in the uh, audio podcast space?
2: Yeah, The Curse is almost finished wrapping up as well. I think uh, it will air its finale just before the Fargo finale. So check that out with Dr. Amanda. I I, I have watched the finale and I've never seen anything like it. So yeah, it's not Fargo, The Curse, The Curse. I'm just saying. Um, Munch fit into The Curse. Yeah, he shows up and he's just like, you know, a hand for a hand. And you're like, whoa, this is weird. Um, no, and then movies each week with Ariel. And then uh, True Detective, uh, which we're all going to be covering. And some form or the other starts, uh, kicks off uh, this upcoming weekend. So I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, I'm on social media at
1: High From Grace. All right, LT, what do you want to plug?
4: Uh, well, um, I'm back with The Connect after way too long. And I'm very excited to be back. We just covered... The 1985 seminal classic, The Color Purple, in anticipation of our coverage of the 2023 musical Color Purple, uh, which will be releasing sometime next week, I think. Um, So please tune in for that. And if there's more um, TV shows or movies that you want us to cover, then please let us know. You can email us at connect at postshowrecaps.com. Also, um, I'm going to be doing some verses with Mike Bloom talking True Detective Season 1 versus True Detective Season 4. It's going to be exciting, and I'm really happy that we get to do it. Um, You can find out anything else that I am up to uh, on Twitter at LKStarks.
1: Yeah, so Latanya and I, if you haven't experienced the versus experiment beforehand, we'll put out a bit of a primer this week as to what that is, our own expectations about both season four and the grand experiment. And as Grace mentioned, she got together with Jess and Dr. Amanda to preview coverage of the show, as well as thoughts about, again, much like Fargo, a sort of like uh, like not really anticipated returning once heralded dark crime show. And uh, I would definitely say that the things Munch did to Gator in this episode are not too dissimilar to some stuff that had been done with some of the big baddies in True Detective seasons past. So that's going to do it for our coverage of Fargo, Season 5, Episode 9. Next week, we'll get together for the last time to break down everything that should be happening. What will be the final resting place for our ensemble of stalwart characters? Will it be in a cozy home in Minnesota eating pancakes, or will it be in the grave or somewhere in between? We shall see. Let us know your thoughts and theories as well, especially if you're a patron. The Discord is open. People have been chatting throughout the season about their own thoughts about it, so let your voice be heard. Thank you, as always, for listening. Grace LaTanya, fantastic work. As per usual, we'll be back next week covering the finale of Season 5. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye.